Let me tell you about the show's newest sponsor, Juniper Mountain Coffee. You can check them out at junipermountaintradingpost.com and check out everything that they sell. I really like what they say on their website. And guys, if you are a coffee connoisseur like me, this here American company that's not run by a bunch of wokesters might be worth checking out for you. What they say is, we roast coffee for those loyal to a lost way of life, those that never back down in the face of adversity, the ones that keep their word, treat people with respect, and still believe in the importance of hard work. We offer some of the best coffee in the world and look forward to earning a spot in your cup. And they have definitely earned a spot in my cup. Whether you like light roast, dark roast, ground already, or not ground, you just want to order it fresh. And they even have those little pod things for those of you that just make one cup at a time. I drink too much coffee for that, so I don't do that. And they also have a cold brew. But it's a great company, great story. Uh, you guys are going to dig these guys. Check them out at junipermountaintradingpost.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. This is that time of year when it's really time to turn up the heat on your scouting. We're going through summer. Season's going to be here before you know it. And I don't care if you're going after mule deer, whitetail, the mighty whoppity, whatever it is. Scouting is imperative and it makes it much easier when you use trail cameras where they are allowed. And uh, let me tell you something. I, I like trail cameras that are easy to use, functional, and have good quality pictures. That brings us to SpyPoint. SpyPoint trail cameras. You can check them out at spypoint.com. And it doesn't matter if you're looking to do one of the cell cams, like the Flex X or the Flex G36 or the LM2. They have some great deals on their website. Like right now, if you check them out, they've got some clearance cameras going on on the cell cams. You can also get a cell link that attaches to any regular cell camera and will uh, transmit pictures right to your phone. The other trail cameras, if you're way out in the backcountry and don't have phone service out there, the Force Pro S and the Force Pro are my go-to cameras. I absolutely love them. If you guys saw the pictures from this last bear season, they were really high-quality pictures, and they were all done with that Force Pro camera. So check it out, guys, at spypoint.com, and let them know the Western Huntsman sent ya. Guys, you are going to like this one. If you like holsters and guns and firearms and everything else that uh, I talk about all the time, you're in for a treat. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show... We share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. gentlemen welcome to this episode of the western huntsman podcast this is jim huntsman your host coming at you from the broken tan studio glad you guys are here and joining us this here is uh let's see today is august 5th and uh we are just cooking right along through uh, these these uh, old dog days of summer but um hunting season's right around the corner so i'm really excited i know i say that like every episode guys <laughs> even if it's january hunting season is just creeping up on us i know uh, this week I've got, uh, it's kind of a funny story and we're, we're going to get into how we got connected, but I've got my new friend, uh, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to hope that I don't absolutely 
destroy your last name, Gabriel. But uh, my new friend, Gabriel Sandin. Did I say that right? Nailed it. Absolutely. Sweet, man. Dude, I'm like batting a thousand this summer. Yeah, one of three people that's ever said it right. Good call. Right on, man. I I should. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna send me like a T-shirt or something, right? That I I, I pronounced yeah, your yeah, last name. I'll, I'll send you a mug, a coffee mug. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, guys, Gabriel is the founder of Ivory Holsters, and uh, I I got to tell the story, Gabriel, how this whole thing went down. I I I got I've got this I got this DM from Ivory Holsters. And I know I've heard of Ivory Holsters before because I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a gun geek. And so uh, I, I looked at the message, and I thought it was like a scam or something at first. I'm like, man, I think their their Instagram got hacked or something, because it's like, hey, man, you want a holster? Okay, are we there? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I got you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am. Uh, you guys know I live out in the sticks. Uh, and I lost my internet there for a minute. And so when you live where you don't have phone service, you can do this thing on your phone called Wi-Fi calling, and that's what we depend on. So um, we do have somewhat of a summer storm coming in, and uh, if if I lose you, Gabriel, just between you and I, uh, I, I promise I didn't hang up, man. I lost internet again. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so You're good. we'll just You're pick good. up and just leave it as is, dude. Um, yep. Sounds I was good. I was just telling the story that like I got I got the the message from you you slid into my DMs I did and uh, said I want a holster and I was like man that's got to be a scam or something why would I win a holster and and then you sent me another one and I'm like okay no this is legit so I messaged you back and and you're like yeah somebody nominated you and I think it sounds like it was my uh, uh, buddy of mine and a and a listener to the show down in uh, the Boise area um, Chris McKelvey. Is that who? Uh, I, yep. Yep. It that, was. And it's funny. I knew because I had, so, I mean, it's honestly, this is the hardest holster I've ever tried to give away. I've never had to try so hard to give away gear. Yeah, <laughs> it man. Was, it was funny because I, I, there was a, yeah. And Chris had actually nominated. So, so bottom line, we had, we had done a giveaway with, um, an outfit called Cut Right Mobile, uh, and, and so Cut Right had oh, done this big Oh man, package. you just partner up with anybody, huh? I don't, I don't know about that. They're, they're, they're a little <laughs> shady, if you ask me. That's right. No, <laughs> those are great but, guys so, over there. Yeah, so Cut Right had done the giveaway, and they ended up. There was a guy out of Canada that won that package, and so in Canada, he he just had texted me or emailed. I don't remember, and he goes, "Hey, I don't, I don't have a need for it. I don't even have a, a, a pistol. We can't own pistols up here unless it's there's some, you know, jump bunch of hoops they have to jump through." He goes, "I want to send it to uh, extend that free holster to uh, a veteran." So I was like, "Cool." So I, I put it out on Instagram. We did a big, you know, kind of a uh, call to action to go, "Hey, all you got to do is nominate somebody in uh, this on this post. Nominate a veteran that that." Uh, that you know you think should win a holster and chris had uh, nominated like i don't know four or five six guys and so um i ended up oddly enough i had i had, uh picked a- another guy and this guy's like well i don't i don't even own a pistol and so i'm like you gotta be kidding me damn man so what's I, with all these people that don't own pistols i, I know and so <laughs> i i had uh so i texted you and and when i didn't when I didn't get it, because uh, you know how Instagram shows you that you've seen the message. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, well, I know you read it. I know, I, but then I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, 
dude, if you got a message that said, hey, you just want a holster that, that I didn't put in for, I'm going to be like, oh, this guy's a total scam. <laughs> and so I, I knew I was like, I was like, I bet he thinks this is a scam. And so that's when I, when I texted back, you know, the next day I was like, Hey, look, Chris had put you in, you know, as a, as a veteran that needed a holster and I, or maybe possibly could use one. And so I had to, you know, kind of slip the details in there to go, Hey, it's not a scam. But I knew, I knew right away. I was like, Oh, he thinks I'm a scammer. And, and <laughs> it, it made sense after I thought about it. Well, it was weird because like, I know ivory holsters, I know the company. And so I know that the company's not a scam, but I thought maybe, you know how you get these random weird friend requests on Facebook or, or, you know, oh, or you get sure. these dumb messages. And, and when you do a podcast, man, on, I get so many messages on that Instagram, the, the DMs. It's, yeah. it's like people get pissed and they're like, I can't believe you said this or people send me, I get a lot of nice messages too. Uh, and then I get a bunch of like anti hunting people that try to send me stupid shit. Um, and, right. you know, you, you get what I'm saying. And so oh, yeah. it's just like, I, I just, it just didn't really register at first. So, uh, Chris, man, I appreciate you nominating me, dude. I like holsters. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good <laughs> dude. That guy is, he's awesome. He carries an ivory. Uh, yeah. He's just, just a, a solid dude. And I think he just moved. Didn't he, didn't he move out of, he was coming from Oregon or Washington. He came, uh, I think, Northern California. Um, and, oh, okay, and he's, okay, yeah, that's it. new to yeah. Idaho, and he's all pumped to be here because you know it's it's like, you know, moving back to America or something. And uh, <laughs> he's yeah. he, he's uh, he's all pumped because you know Idaho's just a, it's got a lot of opportunity for for people that are enthusiastic about the outdoors and and uh, I I feel like uh, just from what he's posted and stuff, it's like a dream come true for him. And he's actually been on the show before. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'll have to li- I'll have to listen to it. We we actually were just up there. You know, we were talking before, but the uh, um, was it the Northwest Mountain Challenge up there? Right? Oh, okay, and, yeah. And so we were we were in Donnelly. Oh, yeah. And I was and I was like I was amazed. I, honestly, the the place is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have four little boys, so we went on a, a you know a decent little hike. Um, I honestly I did not want to leave. I, it was amazing. I would happily live in donnelly or mccall or or anywhere up there and then there are other people that are like um it's funny because you tell them you're from colorado and they look at you kind of sideways like and i'm like whoa 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 i'm not that kind of Colorado. i'm not i'm not out of boulder take it easy you know that is a new thing get my whiskey yeah that is a new perception of coloradans okay that's not like a that's not that's just a i think due to recent politics and stuff like that you know sure yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense because we look at Californians the same way. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not all like that. I mean, Chris McKelvey, yeah, he's, he's perfect fit for Idaho. And so, um, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. That Donnelly area is, uh, cool, man. Um, that is like the epicenter, if you will, of where wolves were released back in 1995. And, and actually, don't quote me on this. I, I think it is. I think that's that's roughly the area where where foals, wolves were first reintroduced. If it, if anybody has a correction on that, shoot me an email, Jim at the Western Huntsman dot com, because uh, I I don't want to like try to type it up and mess with my internet right now. So, um, so yeah, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I want to learn about about you and the company and and uh, you know where this idea came from to start this this uh, this company and and we'll talk about some holsters and go from there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, 
I actually, so I worked until last year for the government for 19 and a half years and just, just, you know, here in, in Denver. Um, and, uh, man, I just threw a whole bunch of, of different stuff really. If I'm honest, I've always felt called to own a business of some kind. I just didn't know what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so working for the, you know, the, the federal government for, for, like I said, almost 20 years, 19 and a half years, um, there's just some, a bunch of stuff that kind of revolved around that, that would just did not, it didn't sit well with me. And so those two things, um, you know, coupled like, like I felt like God was calling me to, to run a business and, I, uh, that, you know, so, so we made the jump in 2015, but, but prior, and I say they made the jump, we made the jump in 2015, meaning we, we set up the LLC in 2015, but prior to that, it was more of a, like I needed a, a holster for concealed carry. Um, so I kind of got online and, and this is going way, way back, but got online and, uh, was looking for a holster and there was a guy on, on online that was selling, he'd either sell you, it was one of those like hybrid holsters, right? Where it had like leather on the back and kydex on the front. Oh yeah. And you could, you could either buy the whole holster for, let's call it like 80 bucks, or you could buy it in pieces where he would send you a shell and leather and clips and you could buy that for 50 bucks or you, he would send you, um, like just a flat sheet of Kydex and then some leather and all the rest of the parts. And you could buy that for whatever, 30 bucks. And then he had these tutorials online that you could, um, you know, mold the Kydex using your kitchen's, you know, oven, uh, to oh, try and really? warm it up. Yeah. And it was really cool. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. So I ended up, I ended up buying the entire holster. Um, but then my wife had gotten me a, a, a new, a new pistol. So I went from a Springfield to a Glock, uh, and they were fairly similar, but it wouldn't fit perfectly. So, so at one point I'm watching this, this tutorial and I'm like, well, let's, let's see if we can remold the Kydex that he sent us from the Springfield to the Glock. And so it's me and a buddy of mine in a kitchen with some, some foam and a heat gun. And I got, I got my, you know, 230 pound best friend, you know, I'd warmed up the Kydex and he's shoving, shoving this piece of foam. It might've been like a yoga <laughs> mat or something like squishing this, this gun in a, in a piece of Kydex. And so that's kind of where it started. And I was like, man, this is not, not exactly, uh, you know, the, the hardest thing to do to, to warm up Kydex and kind of shape it into what you want. So I, it, it was, it was a hobby for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, where I just watched a ton of YouTube videos and, uh, started out in my basement with, you know, some pipe clamps and a, a book press. And, uh, literally it was a, I think a $2 and 99 cent toaster oven we had gotten from a uh, thrift store and just started, you know, burning plastic in the basement. Uh, really? And, and yeah. And it was, it was, um, it never, never really was built to be at least not initially. It wasn't anything that I was like, ah, oh, this is going to become my, my business where I'm going to feed my kids, you know, building plastic, you know, uh, holster, but, uh, it, it got to a point where I was selling enough of them that it got me. So I didn't have to take any money away from the family for hunting licenses and, and gear and stuff like that. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I can, I can create this side hustle and sell just enough to pick up new hunting gear every year and stuff like that. Uh, which worked out like beautifully. Cause I know a lot of guys out there have a day job and all that money goes to the family, which I, I, I just, I love guys like that. I have a massive amount of respect for guys that just mm-hmm. family is number one, right? They take family first and they'll do whatever they, they have to do to try and side hustle to make sure that they can get out and, and hunt, whether that's time off of work, 
or or extra money, whatever it is. And so that's kind of yeah. where it was for me. Um, and then it got to the point where it's funny because my wife at one point, excuse me, my wife at one point, she goes, um, well, you're, you're in the basement a lot and the family doesn't get a whole lot of time with you and you're using all this money for hunting. And there's, you know, there's just, honestly, there's not a business or not a, uh, like a benefit to the family. And so I'm like, well, she's, she's kind of right. And so it was one of those moments where I was like, well, you better either make something of this or, or shut it down. Cause she's right. I'm spending too sure. much time. Yeah. We had moved from the basement to the garage and my side hustle for hunting money was taking too much time. And so, yeah, she, she made sense. And, and so, uh, you know, we just started to kind of run at this and, and, you know, bought, bought some more advanced, um, uh, equipment to be able to, to produce a better product. And then, um, and, what, and, and stop what, me about, if I'm, if I'm rambling about what year was that? Uh, we, I had probably was probably in the basement. So if we started the LLC in 2015, it was probably 2012, um, that we had kind of, um, excuse me. Uh, I, I started bending plastic probably 2011, 2012, and just did it for a, a couple of years. Just, just uh, like I said, enough to, to be able to make hunting money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of got serious about it in 20, I would say 14. Uh, and then again, 2015, 2015. Yeah. yeah. And even then it was super slow. It was just like, you know what we were, we had made, I think that there's some laws about making whatever over a thousand dollars in Colorado and having to either form some sort of a sole proprietorship or whatever. So I was like, all right, well, let's give it a shot. And so we did. And, and yeah, it's just kind of taken off from there. I, I say taken off from there. Uh, it didn't, it didn't take off. We didn't actually start in the hunting realm, although I made, I made a bunch of holsters for my hunting buddies every year for different packs that they had had on and, and, uh, kind of, kind of grew from there. But we, it was mostly like concealed carry and then outside the waistband stuff. And then, mm-hmm. um, in, I don't, I don't honestly remember what year it was, but I had, I had reached out to the guys at, at, uh, Exo Mountain Gear. Um, and I was just like, Hey, I don't have one of your packs. Um, and so I, I just wanted feedback. If I'm honest, I was like, I just, I want, I want to send you a couple of rigs, uh, check them out and give me just feedback. And I was super clear about it. They were, they were amazing. And they were like, um, I said, I just want feedback cause I don't have one of your packs. I'm running a, I think it was a sneak outside at the time. And, uh, and so I, I said, I want to send you two or three holsters and I don't want any gear. I don't want any kind of publication. I just want your feedback. And so Mark is super kind. He's like, yeah, send it. So I, I sent him three holsters. He gave me some feedback and then, um, we were able to kind of mold something that just, just works really, really well for backcountry hunters, um, that mounts to hunting packs. It's just, huh. yeah, super. Um, I think the main thing there was like, they wanted something super stable and I wanted something that was, it would protect the gun. Cause everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of guys have gone out and guns are not cheap for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, you get out there and you got like a, whatever, a $600 Springfield and you're beating the heck out of it, especially if you're running through elk country, you know, laydowns and scrub oak and all that stuff. And so just, just beating the heck out of this. And so I, I wanted to build something that was stable on the, on the pack platform, but also would help protect the gun and keep mud and, you know, uh, snow out of the barrel, stuff like that. So yeah. anyway, long, long story long, I guess, uh, ended up, uh, sent them a couple and then sent, sent, uh, Mark the final version. And he's like, let's, that's great. Let's, uh, 
he goes, he literally said, let's talk about a release. And I was like, what? what? And I, I didn't say anything, you know, in, in the email. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Let's talk about a release. And in my head, I'm like, what the heck do you mean a release? Like, I don't know what. So they were they were just fantastic, and they've been instrumental for, for whatever that's worth. Those guys are just incredible. Um, I don't know you and I, I talked, sure. and and you run an initial ascent pack, and those guys are just man, they're they're such solid guys. I got to meet them at uh, the Western Hunt Expo last February. Yeah, like I got to meet them in person. We actually stayed in the same uh, hotel. Like and, Dennis and, and them. Yes. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Gr- just great men. They were. They were awesome. And so anyway, I, I say that to say that this, this industry, I've, I've not, and even in the holster industry, even with like competing holster makers, man, they just, there's just the greatest people on the planet in, in the hunting realm. Mm-hmm. And you know that, but oh, yeah. man, I just, it, they've been, they've been super good. So anyway, yeah, XO, XO put out some, some sort of publication uh, in their, their email and uh, really kind of took off from there and kind of put that light bulb in my head. Like, Boy, this is this could be a really viable thing. You might you might actually be able to make this work to the point where you can keep a roof over your head and keep your kids fed. And, and uh, so yeah, I got super excited about it and have just been kind of trying to keep my foot on the gas ever since. I love I love these kind of stories, man. And I know you were you're like kind of stressing out. You're going too long or whatever, but it, that's that's important stuff. Because you know when you think about the country that we live in and the opportunities that are at hand. And, and people that, you know, may have this opinion that you can't make it here and the cards are like stacked against you and, or, or capitalism sucks or, or whatever. And, and I don't mean to get all dramatic about it, but you kind of s- smell what I'm stepping in with that, something like that. Yeah. And, and you no, hear I... these kind of stories. This, this is the essence of what makes America a great place to be and be creative and thrive and, and create a business and create an idea and a concept and take it to market and, and win in the marketplace with something. And it's, it's like, this is the kind of stuff I always think, you know, hopefully somebody, is listening to this and they have an idea, some kind of concept in their mind. They are genuinely, and, and I, I guarantee they're turning it up. They want to hear how you took it from this concept and this idea. And, and now, now it's like, it's, it's your company. Then, then this is how you support your family. Um, and, and that can motivate somebody to take that step because it's, it's always risky. You know, it's, it, it costs money and it's risky and it's, it, you never know what's going to come out of it, but you'll never know if you don't try it. And no, so, you're, yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. But you've, you've probably gone through the same, same type of stuff with the, the podcast at the very least, right? I mean, how many, and maybe I'm way off, but, but how many times have you thought to yourself, like, is this, is this worth it? Is this something I should continue to spend yeah. my time on? Is it? Is it? You know what I mean? All like, the time, yeah. It, it, it's. I mean, I don't say all the time. It's. I. I just didn't. I didn't think this podcast would be more than just like my local hunting community. You know, honestly, I, I. I thought, okay, if I could start a conversation about wolves and how we can get wolves under control and grizzly bears and stuff like that up up here in in the Pacific Northwest, kind of thing, and it just it just kind of grew out of control to where it is now and so um but yeah there was there was been a few times where it's like man this thing's a lot of work <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i told i 100 know what you mean i think the and not to, to take it off on a tangent but i'm telling you if there is that person that's out there that's that's uh got an idea and they want to try and bring it to market or whatever i i the thing i'm finding most of all 
is a level of commitment. There, there's, it's so funny. I started this with my, my buddy and I'm sure he'll listen to this. I started this with my, my best friend and, um, he, when we first had the very first conversation about it, I, I, I and I always go back to this. It's, it's what, what level of committed am I to this and what level of committed are you to this? And so it, it, there's a, this kind of analogy. It's like, if the, if the farmer wants breakfast, the chicken has a contribution, the pig is committed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and so my, my thing is always like, what, what level of committed are you? And so if there's anybody out there that's listening and they're like, man, I gotta, I, I really want to do this or I'm feeling called to do this, especially if you're feeling called to do something, whatever it is, it, the level of commitment is massive, right? I, and and mm-hmm. I, I just, I will not, I won't quit. I, like it's, it's just, it's in my heart. And, uh, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and even like when I get, I get guys that have called me and they're like, Gabe, I was, I was carrying, I don't remember the guy's name and I really should. I was carrying, I think he said he had 80 or 90 pounds on his back. And he, I remember he was said he was hunting with a guy named Tyler Boshma mm-hmm. and, and he, they're packing an elk out and, uh, he's there walking uphill and, and it turns out Boshma had crested the hill and this guy is, um, can't see Boshma anymore, but he's almost to the top of the hill and he hears this ruckus on the left side of him and he looks over and there's this black bear on a, a mule deer and uh, this black bear stands up and starts like charging at him. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And so he goes, Gabe, I, I drew my pistol and he's like, I wasn't even trying to give warning shots. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang at that point. Yeah, it was, there was no goofing around. And so sure enough, he, he had, uh, he'd shot enough shots. He didn't hit it at all, but, but, you know, had put enough, enough rounds in that right direction to get that bear to kind of booger off a little bit. But that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, so, so yeah, like my thing is I love, I want to feed my family with this. I'm so proud of what I did. I'm so thankful to God for this business and for what he's provided for me. But man, when I get a call like that, that's like, Hey, you, you helped me to, um, come home to my family. And I'm yeah. saying it, it was, it wasn't, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes into that Glock or, or, um, you know, physical fitness or whatever. There's a ton of stuff that goes into that. But when I get a guy that's like, man, I was able to, to fend off a bear because you, you built in your garage, a product that helped me to, to be safer and get home to my family. Man, I get such a charge out of that. Man, I would um, too. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Freaking cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting, man. And I think that that's what um, sets this, uh, you know, you're, you're very specific to hunters um, and not necessarily only hunters, but you've got kind of this lean towards the, the hunting space and, and you're designing these holsters for, for hunters. And I think that that's what's paramount. So, and, and to get back to Chris McKelvey, who, who nominated me, um, he, I think it was a sympathetic nomination because he knows what happened to me last, last season where, uh, I had, I had my, uh, I had a 45 ACP and it was in a chest holster and it ended mm-hmm. up in my truck fire. I had a, I had a truck fire, uh, on my way up to retrieve an elk and my truck burned to the ground, man. Um, uh. and so I lost like my laptop and my, my pistol and, and I've got other pistols, but you know, there's always that one that you take hunting and I hunt a lot of grizzly country. So, um, that's it, it was one of those things i have yet to i i haven't replaced all that stuff with the exception i I did just replace the pistol it's the one i sent you that mm-hmm. uh yeah. picture or whatever yeah and so um 
you know, it it's it's good timing because hunters, when we're out there, and especially for those of us that hunt in grizz country, we're, we need something that is reliable, that is going to keep the weather out, that's going to keep debris out so we don't have a barrel full of, you know, pine needles or something. Uh, we need something that is easily accessible without worrying about a branch taking your pistol out and you not noticing and walking 10 miles without before you realize your, your pistol's missing. Yeah. Um, those are the things that like I worry about. And, and it's just, it's, it's like, you know, when I feel like, especially when you're bow hunting and you're in, in Colorado, let me ask you this in Colorado, when you're bow hunting, can you, can you pack a pistol? I, I'm so, I'm such a dunce on this. I, I, I've heard both ways and I've never really researched it. We, we always do. And we've had game wardens come upon us and no one's ever said anything to us. Okay. But I guess there, there could be that one game warden who, you know, is, is froggy or whatever, but I'm, I, I don't want to say, cause I know I'm going to miss, miss. The yeah, mark no, I, I feel gonna, you. Somebody will get on this podcast and, or somebody will get busted up and they'll be like, well, Gabe on the podcast said that you could carry a gun in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, disclaimer. So, we're not we're not saying what the law is. This way, that's yeah. Why, there's always, you know, check for yourself because I know I I, I want to say it was Utah. I hunted Utah. And you you were I I think it was there. You can't you can't pack a pistol during bow season or whatever. But I could be wrong on that. I don't remember what state it was. But anyway, um, where was I going with that, dude? There was there. Yeah, were, I, uh, anyway, I was just kind of listing off things that are important in my mind for for this kind of holster, and so I want to I want to pick your brain as to, you know, why what sets Ivory Holster apart? What what do you feel like your your elevator pitch or your your big selling point is for for this product? I've been talking about Hoffman Boots for a very long time. You guys know that I'm a huge fan of this company, and it's not just the great products that they make; it's the story behind the company and the people that run it this generational family of shoemakers right here in North Idaho makes some of the best hunting boots and pack boots and lineman boots and all your boot needs right in one place at hoffmanboots.com. For us hunters, I highly recommend the Explorer. And I don't care if you're running in the 6-inch or the 8-inch or the 10-inch. Personally, I, I love my 8-inch Explorers. They've got the Vibram sole. They are totally waterproof. There's no break-in period. Guys, you can't go wrong with Hoffman Boots because you get all that without breaking the bank. So check them out at HoffmanBoots.com and use promo code ALLCAPSLOCKHUNTSMAN10 at checkout for 10% off and find out why I have been wearing my Hoffman Boots for years and years. Don't be one of those people that have it in their mind that Savage Arms is the same firearms that your grandpa was running around with 40 years ago. It's not. Big game hunting rifles that you can count on. I love my Savage Firearms. I have got the Savage 110 Hunter, uh, and my daughter is uh, pretty happy with this 110, 110 Apex Hunter XP. Um, the AccuTrigger is a really interesting little piece to this firearm, and it's a new piece of technology that uh, if you've never tried one, you should, because it'll make you more accurate. It's it's a much easier, higher quality firearm than anything else I've got out there, and I've I've got a lot of firearms, guys. And so, if you're in the market for a new hunting rifle, make sure you visit SavageArms.com because I promise you, you're going to find something that is accurate, easy to handle, easy to use, long range, functional, just a high quality weapon 
that you could take to the field and have a lot of confidence that when it, the time comes, you've got that Savage backing you up and you're going to be notching a tag. Check it out, savagearms.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of, honestly, it's the, just the little stuff. It's because, I mean, you can you can for sure buy, you know, a, a 30 to $40 holster or whatever, Amazon or anywhere. I shouldn't say anywhere, online. You can, if you look hard enough, you'll find something that's, that's, uh, um, that will get the job done. And a lot of guys do that, whether it's yep. leather or Kydex or whatever. But I think for, for, for me, I've, I've kind of, and it's maybe it's, it means more. Nah, I shouldn't say that. It means more to me perhaps than, than a lot of guys, but there are things that like guys notice, right? So most, I'm going to nerd out. So if you want to stop me, stop me, but no, go ahead. The, the, the way we form them right now is, is it basically comes out in like, all right, we're back. Uh, another cutoff guys. Uh, again, um, just, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but, uh, I'm on Wi-Fi calling and we're dealing with a summer storm out there, which we need really bad because there's fires everywhere around here. So, uh, Gabriel was explaining where, uh, how he forms these. So, uh, Gabriel, I'll, I'll just let you take it from there, man. Yeah. You know, you would ask, you know, kind of what, what sets, sets us apart from yep. the average holster or, or other company or whatever it's. So the, the, the way we form them is like an 80, 20 split. And so you get about 80% of the definition on the outside. And then on the inside, it's about as flat as you can make it against the body. And, and then it's got like, a, it's molded in with a, basically a pre-curve. So it kind of matches the, the contour of the hip. And, and so it makes it really, really comfortable. Whereas if we had, had gone with like a 50, 50 split, um, you can imagine that basically you'd have 50% of the definition on the back. And then when you bend the wings and then throw a belt through it, it, basically torques or creates leverage against the body and so especially for some um we'll just call it the guys that are real lean boy it put it puts pressure on the hip even through some of these big thick pack belts you can feel that pressure and so it just causes like an undue torque and so it's little things like uh the comfort because we we mold them the way we do um they they've got a closed end muzzle and so there's no way you can get you know if you could drop it in mud matter of fact i had a guy uh call me and he goes, Gabe, I, I slipped and fell on my holster side down a muddy hill. Uh, and I slid to the bottom of the hill <laughs> and normally I would have like just mud packed in the barrel. And because of it, it's, it's just a closed muzzle. Um, I didn't get anything in the barrel. I got, you know, you obviously you take it out and, and look at it and check it. Was it just yeah. Super, super, um, clean. And then, uh, we run an adjustable retention screw just forward of the trigger guard, which is super important to me. Um, because I don't, I don't want you to, to lose your gun in the woods. Right. And so the ability to, to cinch that booger down, uh, to the point where you're almost basically where you got to snap it to get it out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you end, end up being, you know, at a, a range day or whatever, and you want to loosen it up to, so you can, you can, you know, run an eight hour course or whatever. Um, I just, that the, the adjustable retention has been a really big, a big deal for me. And then kind of a game changer for a lot of guys that are like, man, I, I, uh, I've lost guns in the woods before or, um, mm-hmm. whatever. And then again, little, little stuff like we run a, we will call it a sweat guard, but basically it's a, a slide guard and it runs both sides front and back. It runs all the way up the slide so that when we're running through thick, brushy country, you're not scratching up your, your slide any, any more than you really have to. Right. I mean, I know it's, yeah. it's a tool and maybe you shouldn't 
I, I shouldn't be as concerned with it, but I paid 600 bucks for this tool. Or, or in some cases, like some of these guys are carrying 12 or $1,800. I know, man. Right? And, and, and so, you're right that there is, there is that element of it. And like, like for me, it's, it's so dependent on which firearm I have. Like I have this old 3030 Winchester, uh, you know, the model 94. I love this yeah, rifle, yeah. love this rifle. And it's killed more deer than the plague. And I just, I, and I don't give a hoot if I scratch this thing. Uh-oh, I'm not losing you, am I? Nope, you're good. Okay. Uh, I, I don't care if I scratch it. Uh, I uh, Obviously, I keep it clean. I keep the rust off and all that kind of stuff, and I treat the stock. Uh, sure. But it's it's probably my favorite firearm that I own, and it's just because of the history, and, and there's a lot of sentimental value to it. Now, you contrast that with this this new 10 millimeter I just bought. Uh, this is going to be my bear gun. Like, I don't want it scratched up. I want to keep right. it nice. I want to, <laughs> like, you know, it's, so it's it's so dependent on the firearm. So that that begs the question for, in this case, so when you're making these, and, you know, if, if I'm, tr- like, digging for information that's proprietary or something like that, just stop me. I don't, I don't care. I'm just, I you know, I'm a curious guy. So you must have, like, a mold for each different type of firearm and, and like maybe manufacturer or something that, that how you heat these together or is, is that how that works or how does that work? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. The, uh, the, the holster, I guess, especially for small guys like me, that, that there's a couple of companies out there that do a really good job of, um, bu- basically building holster molds that are already prepped to be able to, to run them, uh, like we're doing right now mm-hmm. versus when I first started, I would have had you bring your gun over to the house. I would have taken an hour and a half to mock it up and, and get it blocked out. Right. Uh, oh, wow. And then, and then put it in the press and just to, to do it right. Right. Um, but yeah, this it's, we've, I think we've got probably 75 models right now. All, um, most, the most popular models, but yeah, we, we I, I've got a, basically it's a t-shirt press and you can, we heat that and you can see all this stuff on our Instagram page too. There's like you said, there's, I, it's funny. I, I've got people around me that'll say, Hey, you're giving away too much information. You're, you're sharing your secrets. And in my head, I'm like, there's, there's nothing that I'm doing that hasn't been done already. And I mean, we're doing it a little differently, right. And we're, we're putting mm-hmm. some good details into it, but, but I've learned all this stuff from YouTube. There's nothing I'm doing that you can't find on YouTube. And so I'm a big fan of, of, uh, just putting out solid information and, and trying to provide value. And if that means that I can provide value in a way that teaches somebody how to basically create a, a competitor company, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a t-shirt press essentially. And you heat the Kydex to roughly 350 and, and then uh, throw it in a vacuum form. I got a couple of vacuum formers on the bench and, and just, yeah, form it around it. Exact, you're exactly right. Whatever the, the mold gun is that you have. And so, like I said, we got 75 of them. Oh, um, nice. Vacuum God, that's it crazy, man. Let it let it cool. Yeah, it's 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 so much fun. Honestly, if you get a chance, I'll send you some videos or some links to some videos. But man, it seems like the stuff that gets the most traction on uh, our our YouTube channel and our um, uh, Instagram are the videos where we're actually forming the holsters. It's not like the final product is kind of cool looking, but but man, when you can well, see how the holster was built, it is interesting. It's like that show yeah. how it. it I love that show, and yeah. I understand. Yeah, it's it's like that. Those are the ones. That yeah, get the most I, I love I love that kind of stuff. And you and you, you learn. You, you just kind of. I I don't know. It it takes a special kind of person to not wonder how that kind of stuff comes together. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't yeah. understand that mentality. I'm I'm super curious about that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the coolest part of my day job when I'm not recording podcasts here 
is I get to go to all these different types of facilities, and a lot of them are manufacturers, like what you're talking about, you know, and, and you've got your press and your heat this and and, and the the molds and the, all these different things that 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 produce this product. And um, with my day job, I get to go like tour all these different crazy facilities. Like I saw how uh, what what is that brand, the O'Reilly O'Reillyn or some kind of potato company? They make French fries. Orida, yeah. Orida, yeah. I I got to go tour that facility, and it's amazing to see these these freaking trucks packed full of potatoes, and and I watched the whole process how they turn into French fries and and then get frozen. It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. I I, I geek out on that kind of stuff. So, and um, well, me too. Yeah. How where the name Ivory dude? Just a just a quick. I I hope I don't drop you here. This storm is super sketchy right now. But anyway. Ivory holsters. Where's, where'd the name come from? Yeah, so it's funny. We, we when I started it with my buddy, we wanted something that wasn't. It's it's funny because you get like people at like uh, Black Ops Tactical Holsters, right? Which is cool, right? But we wanted mm-hmm. something that wasn't. So we were like going back and forth, like, oh, which, what should we name it? We wanted something that that didn't basically ass out the 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 female demographic because we were looking at like concealed carry at the time and rain, you know, outside the waistband stuff, and then. Uh, just knowing I'm, I'm a super huge elk hunter. Like I say that I'm not a great elk hunter when I say that I'm, I just, I have this like massive passion in my heart for elk. There's no, I, I there's no other feeling that I've had mm-hmm. that, that even compares to coming to full draw on a, on a, an elk. I don't care if it's a cow, a bull, whatever. Right. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. we were talking, we wanted something to do with like kind of in, in hunting. And so ivory wasn't super over the top, like, like tactical but it was also in the hunting realm so the logo is a an elk but it's the basically and you know they all the elk have a couple of ivory buglers oh yeah uh, in in their mouth and so that's kind of where it came from it was either the ivory buglers or when you get that beautiful bull that's got those ivory white tips on his on his antlers that's kind of where it came from and so see you should take you should take a little piece of the ivory with every elk you kill and put it on on the holster somewhere yeah you're not you're not wrong i don't the, the no, problem I'm is we sell a lot more holsters than I've killed elk. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, good point. I, I'd have the same issue, man. I love the ivories. I, uh, the, the, the namesake of my studio, Broken Tan Studio. When I killed that bull, my, uh, my one of my daughters was with me, and I took the ivories out and made her a necklace out of them. It turned out super cool. Oh, they're they're really cool. I when I when I I read some story somewhere that like the Native Americans used to be able to. to Basically, it was almost like a status symbol. They would create yeah. stuff like, like almost like a chain mail uh, chest protector or whatever. Um, obviously, it was made of elk ivories, but it was basically like a status thing. Like this guy's a great hunter, and you could trade elk ivories for like blankets or rifles or ammo. It was pretty darn impressive that that those little tiny ivories had become like currency at one point, which I thought was super interesting to me. And it, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm cool. honest, it's probably a pride thing with me, the ability to have those on, you know, hanging from the rear view mirror of the car or make a necklace for my sons or, or whatever. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's cool. Hey, you're, are, are you hearing that weird feedbacky thing or is it just coming through my end? No, I'm not. I can, I, I just plugged the phone in. I don't know. Maybe I'll unplug I it. I think it's, if... I think it's coming from like my end because of all the lightning out there. So, uh, okay. okay. I, it just went away. So hopefully we're good. Okay. Again, listeners, terribly sorry. This happens every once in a while. We get these bad storms, and uh, it just sometimes the sound quality suffers from it. So we'll just keep plugging along. Yeah. Say say check one two three. 
check one, two, three. Actually, you sound really good. You sound really (laughs) good. good. Okay, cool. Let's just keep rolling. So, so that was the idea is you wanted something somewhat uh, hunting related. You've got the elk um, logo and ivory holsters. I wondered about that. I wondered if it had something to do with elk ivories because I'm, I'm like you, man, I'm pretty nutty about elk hunting. I'm, I'm not super good at it either. Uh, but, uh, I'm pretty nutty about it. And, and, and so that's kind of the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw the name. Um, tell me a little bit about your hunting background, man. Did you grow up hunting or? No, not at all, actually. So my, my, uh, my wife, I, we're actually, I wouldn't say we're not high school sweethearts. We didn't start dating until after high school, but I had never hunted, never, we didn't do a whole lot of camping as a kid. I kind of had a, a, we'll call it a bit of a rough, a rough childhood. Um, although I think plenty of people out there have had far rougher childhoods than, than I have, but it was like my, my, my dad who had adopted us, uh, he wasn't really, he wasn't into to a whole lot of, um, the outdoor stuff. So I never got to hunt. But when I, when I met my wife, uh, her dad was going pheasant hunting for the first time. And I was like, he's like, he invited me to go and I didn't even own, I owned a 22 rifle at the time that I bought when I was 12 with my own money. And I was super nice. excited about it. Now, did, did um, you grow up in Colorado? I did. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so when I, when we started kind of dating, uh, I was, I was probably 20, I was 20 when we started da- or 19, when we started dating. And then, uh, I don't know, he, he had taken me pheasant hunting and I didn't even have a uh, license at the time or, um, or even my hunter safety. And so we go out and, Jim, I'm telling you, the the first time I watched him put down a bird, I was I was amazed. I was like, I cannot mm-hmm. believe that you can walk out into a field, kill whatever it is, whatever animal you're seeking, and then bring it home and feed your family. I was astonished by it. I, it, it was <laughs> totally foreign to me. So the next year, he had bought me for my birthday. He bought me my first shotgun. Bought me a, a Mossberg 835 12 oh, gauge. Oh, sweet! So took me out. And then uh, I popped my first, I think I shot a jackrabbit that year and <laughs> one bird. And then, uh, man, I'm telling you, I was done. I, when, I, when I breasted out my first bird, I was like, I, I have to kill big stuff. I, I really, I, I was like yeah. baffled. And so I'm working, working at the airport again for the feds. And, and uh, I, I just remember having this huge tug to, to get out and kill whatever, elk or deer. And so I was like talking to my boss at the time. I'm like, I'm going to go elk hunting and he's like well have you ever been and i'm like nope and he's like well uh you have a you have a rifle i'm like nope he's like well who are you going with i'm like uh, i'm just going by myself he's like well what are you gonna do i'm like i'm just gonna walk out into the woods and find a place where it's you know public and i can i'm just gonna learn it and he and he kind of got this look on his face like geez oh crime and you you freaking not head kid like <laughs> you can't just walk out into the woods by yourself and you know hope to so he's like okay you come with me i'll take you this year uh, which was, uh, I mean, amazingly eye-opening. And he hunted in a completely different manner than than we did. Like the guy would run up the hill in the morning, sweating his tail off. He'd plop down, rip his clothes off, put dry clothes on, and then sit in that spot all day long. And so that's what I thought elk hunting was initially. Yeah, I I, I was kind of. That's funny you the, the way you described that. Anyway, keep going. No, and so so yeah, I was like, uh, got up, didn't kill anything the first year, but went back a second year, and uh, I killed a, a yearling and was done. I I told myself I'm like there, I've never felt anything like, and this was with a rifle, it wasn't a bow, mm-hmm. but it 
but it was like I've never felt anything like this. And not that I've ever I've never really done, you know, drugs or anything like that. And so I don't know, maybe there's some drug out there that'll make you feel like that, but I have not experienced that. It was, as you know, it was unbelievable. I so I told myself, I was like, I will hunt every year for the rest of my life as long as my body will let me. And I was hooked, done. Sweet. Yeah. And Colorado's not a terrible place to be for that kind of stuff. Oh no, it's it's a especially in the place that that we're in. We hunt in a spot that's it's been really really good to us. I we just got super lucky with it, um, and, and it's just it's been. I mean, we kill a decent amount of elk through you know between uh, archery and rifle season, all within probably like honestly a, a probably a, a seven hundred yard circle. We've killed just a, a pile of elk. We got super. And we worked for it, right? We had to kind of yeah, learn the area, yeah, yeah. but but man, it's been it's been so good to us. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the fun part about when you when you work the same few areas over the over the years. You know, you start developing these little pockets where you know there's going to be elk, and yeah, you know, I I do I I love I love going into new country to find elk uh, or deer or bear or whatever I'm hunting. You know, and and uh, but there's sure, something yeah. about man. Okay, I just. Old, I, I call it the. I have this one mountain. I call it Consistent Mountain. A old Consistent Mountain. There's going to be elk on that bad boy. So I'm heading up there, you know. And and so, uh, it's always nice to have that in your back pocket. How yeah, has, do you do you find oh, that, that when when you're going up to Consistent Mountain, do you find that every now and again you'll be so focused on getting to Consistent Mountain that you walk past elk on the way there? Well, so kind of, kind of. I I, I drive past where I know. Are, are really good elky areas. Uh, it's, gotcha. it's okay. way up on this, uh, this forest service road, uh, that, that, you know, it's, it's kind of this, you know, I want to address this because I think it's important that, that I, I, it'd be one of those things that people should understand when you're, when you're hunting logging country and, and, and that type of terrain where it's real thick timber, but there's logging operations going on and, you know, they're, they're not logging the entire mountain. And I'm, I'm just trying to give a, a couple of hints for, for some, uh, maybe some new hunters out there. Uh, but, and I'll answer your question, but when, when they're logging these sections of mountains, what do you think happened to the elk that were previously living in those sections? They're going to the sections that haven't been logged and it creates these little micro habitats for elk. And deer, mm-hmm. and bear. Um, so, I, I I'm only bringing this up because I I've seen a couple times, or I've heard on other shows or something recently where people are really uh, down on hunting logging country. Uh, don't be. Those elk are not leaving. They're just going to a different spot on that mountain. So, I, I I've been wanting to say that on the podcast for a long time, um, and I, I I just never think of it. So I'm glad you brought that up. But to answer your question, yes, I absolutely know I'm passing elk to get to that mountain where I know there's elk, and it generally pays off for me in elk encounters. But um, I do know I'm probably going way further than I need to to uh, you know drive wise in order to find elk. It's just it's like a comfort spot, uh comfort zone spot. I know there's going to be elk there. There's always a lot of action. I always have a great time on this mountain. And uh anyway, I've talked yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, I I I ask cuz I do I do the same thing. I know that we're you know, because we're so we've been so blessed up there that I know that I'm walking past elk at times. Yep. Uh to get to elk. And it's funny cuz I have I got Trent from born and raised in my head. Like their number one rule is you don't you don't leave elk to find elk. And I'm like, man, but I, I just know, right. I know if we can get to this <laughs> point, 
Like I know there's elk up there, and so yeah, I, I ask only because I it's it's one of my my downfalls. I've I've be, really become a creature of habit, um, to the point where if my unit, the place where we hunt, if that place were to to burn down, mm-hmm. I I it would be a whole new game for me. I'd have to you know obviously go out and try and find, um, so, which if I'm honest, I should be doing now anyway. I should be hunting new units and trying to find elk, which yeah, I've learned through like we were talking earlier about Paul Medell. I've learned through him how to to find elk um so it's not super super hard as long as i don't mind putting boots to the ground and some some time at night in but uh but man it's it's uh if that if that unit or whatever if that spot were to burn down it would it would it would break my heart jim yeah well it, it's there's there's a couple things you said there that i i want to touch on i think that are important because like what what trent was talking about what he's talking about if if you have confirmed elk Yes. I, yep. Right. You know, there's elk in this drainage, but you're trying to get to the next drainage over. You're wasting your time. Agreed. But yep. but what I'm talking about is I know I'm driving by multiple areas where there is most likely elk, but I haven't confirmed it. Where I know I there's going to be elk up at that mountain, right? And I think that's kind of what you're referring to too. And and sometimes we get it we get it in our head. Um, you know, I, I think I just recently said this on a recent episode, but uh, I had Dirk on the on the show, one of the first school of September's, and and it's one of, it's one of the things that stuck with me more than anything when it comes to uh, elk hunting is is fall in love with finding elk, don't fall in love with an area, and and I have to remind myself of that every single year because I do have these areas where I think, oh man, you know, I've had so much success, it's you know, uh, it's been a, it's been a good spot. There's always elk, blah blah blah. Um, but if there's nothing there, don't waste a bunch of time, you know, move on. And sure. I think it's a, just like a, it's like a, like anything else you, you've probably got this in your business with ivory holsters where there's, there's something very proficient about having this diversity of things going on where like when you go into an elk season, I think you should, you should always have those spots that you, you know, are good, but you should also have a handful of new areas that you've never checked out and you should have a handful of areas that maybe you've checked out in years past. Uh, and, and they might be, they might not have been great last year, but maybe they're going to be good this year because maybe there was a forest fire. Or maybe there's no wolves in that area or some circumstance may have changed. And so having that diversity of, of, uh, backup plans, uh, I think is super critical for elk hunters and a lot of people miss that. Yep. No, you're exactly right. And I've, I've been that creature habit where, you know, we've had one year specifically where we just could not get in them. And we, we've, we've always been able to get in them. We don't always kill them, but we've always been able to get Mm -hmm. in them. And this Mm -hmm. one year it was like, boy, there's, everything is dry. There's no, there's no scat, there's no tracks. Uh, and, and we literally stayed, you know, days past when we should have, when what we should have done to your point was like, get the heck out of there, man, go, go find some elk in the next unit or yeah. w- whatever. But man, it was just, it was like, but they've been here every year. I know they're in here and they weren't. And so, yeah, it was just, it, it kind of, it was a good learning experience, but yeah, it'll, it'll mm-hmm. learn you up quick, right? Like don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I know it's kind of cliche, but man, it's, it's so true. I know. Uh, because and, I've done it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem with the cliches is people hear them and they don't actually think about what you're saying. But if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, because you saw an elk there in 2003, Right, exactly. And you're still yep. hunting that same mountain. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know that's that's kind of what happens. So, yeah. Um, what what does what does five years from now look like uh, in your mind for ivory holsters? Um, I oh, that's such a good question. Golly, what a, that's that's awesome. Sorry, it's kind um, of out of the blue, man. 
No, it's great. Like I've been, we've been really, um, we're, so right this minute we're trying to ramp up uh, production. So right now as it sits, I'm one guy in, in our garage uh, and we're, my wife does like all the bookkeeping and, and taxes and all that stuff. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if she'll ever listen to it, but if she does, she's like my, my entire world. Uh, she, I, I you're not just saying that because you're you're in big trouble for not taking the trash out or something, <laughs> right? No, no, I'm in big trouble anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> Me too, man. But I'm, I mean, it, she's she's incredible, and so it's right now the, the uh, my biggest thing is trying to increase production. So it's one guy in the shop or in the garage and and bending plastic, and I, every single one of them that leaves uh, this this place is. Uh, custom molded, cut, drilled, buffed, sanded, everything by me. Uh, and so that's just not sustainable. And so there's a couple of processes and so, uh, some bits of equipment that we're, we're ramping up right now to try and make the production faster as opposed to trying to bring on um, people. I'm trying to automate it to the point where even a donkey could do it. And so that's where we are right now. Oh, gotcha. um, I know it's kind of a, a long-winded answer. Uh, but then we've also got a couple of... Um, a couple of things we've been, man, I'm telling you, I've been, I've been so blessed. I've got, um, one of the things that really helps. We were up at the total archery challenge here in Colorado at one point, And, uh, um, my, we bottom line, we, we, I started talking with, uh, Sharon from knock on archery and got really, really lucky to, um, to get in with them. We, we actually have built a custom release holster for knock on archery. It'll, it'll run, um, four of their of their releases it, it's it's oh, really? if I'm honest I'm, I'm yeah I'm pretty proud of it so they have they have a, a bunch of releases in their lineup but but we were able to create something that had an adjustable retention piece in it where you could run the knock to it the knock to it mini their silverback and then their um I'm sorry silverback plus and their silverback mini and so uh that has been just massive for us. So when you talk about like oh, cool. the thing where we're going in five years, not to, to put too much of, of um, our business out there, I, I, I feel like there's a, a a market for being able to, to get some good quality release holsters out there. And so I'm kind of working on that. Uh, and then other stuff, like I know you and I were talking earlier, we're, we're looking at um, testing some bino harness type stuff right now. Uh not not vinyl harness, but uh, like chest a, holster. A chest, chest rig. Yeah, you yeah. got it. A chest yeah. rig, um, and so just stuff like that. So new new products that that we're working on on trying to come out with at the same time, trying to keep our foot on the gas with our our like our bread and butter, which is that that pack holster. Mm-hmm. Um, but but be able to do it faster. So you you say that five years from now, because like we talked about earlier, there's no I have zero quit in me in five years. Um, it will. God, God willing, it'll be. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'm not trying to build an empire. I should. I shouldn't say that. But but there, it'll be much much bigger than what it is right now because I have this like fiery passion for what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, and I just won't quit. And so I think that that just from that alone, uh, it'll be it'll be much much bigger than what it is. I can't. I don't know. You know, you know holster wise or dollar amounts or anything like that. But man, I'm. The, the new products we're coming out with and then the the lack of quit is going to just by itself, you know, hopefully propel this to something where, um, you know, uh, we've got, we've got something, what I would consider to be massive. And, and it's because of guys yeah. like guys like you, I mean, I, the, the ability to be somewhere like, 
right here, right now, talking to guys like you has been so massive. And so uh, I'm just going to keep plugging at this and try and, and again, keep my foot on the gas and just yeah. <laughs> make sure that I keep food in my kids' mouth and a roof over their heads. And yeah, that's where, you know, maybe it'll be a little, hopefully it'll be a little more comfortable, you know, in the, in the near future. But yeah, yeah. that's kind of where we yeah. are. I know that's a long Well, I mean, you've gotten it to this point where, you know, a lot of people already know who Ivory Holsters is. You know, you've already built this, this reputation. Um, you're just in a position now where it's, it's just keep feeding that passion into this business and it's, it's, there's no choice but for it to grow. You know, you know, there's, there's no other way, way it could go unless you just completely lose interest and, and not, not work on it. And so it's, I think it's, I think it's super cool. I'm like envious of people that are founders of some sort of, uh, some level of manufacturing opportunity where they can, they can make something right there here in America and, and put it out there. And, and it grows into this thing that, um, you, you know, it, it just kind of gets almost out of control because, because of the growth. And I, 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 again, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, if you've listened to my show, you know, you, you know where I stand with this stuff. I'm a big fan of the American system and this capitalistic society that we live in. And, and, and this is why, what, like, where else can you do something like this? And, yeah, and, and actually, actually not be paying, um, 80% of your income in, in taxes or something stupid like that. It's just a, it's a great place. Do you ever worry with, uh, with the industry that you're in that like some of the gun control stuff is going to take effect or take, and if you don't want to get political, that's totally fine. Uh, but, but is that a concern for you? No, you're good. It, it's, uh, not, not for a couple of reasons, not wholly. Um, I think, I think, uh, Number one, I think God just takes takes such good care of me. I I, I say this all the time, and I don't mean to, to be like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll have to answer to him for for this one day. But I I think I'm his second favorite son. He takes he just blesses me <laughs> so much. It's it's ridiculous. So if it wasn't this, obviously I'll be I'll be taken care of. Uh, but it's I I don't the 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 fighting spirit of the American and and for when I say that I mean I know that the majority. I know there are those very, very loud segments who are like, no guns, we need to take them away. Mm-hmm. And then there, there are the, 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 for lack of a better term, the silent majority guys like us that are like, that are, and when I say that, like there, I just don't see with the things that are going on specifically in, in like other parts of the world, one, where they don't have the ability to be able to protect themselves. And then two, even, even, and again, not to try and get political, but even here right now, like the way things are going and like, uh, whatever Seattle and and in all these like major cities, major people, metro areas. Yeah, yeah, they're like shutting down, you know, city blocks and creating their own their own uh, cities. And and I, I just I think people have when you see that because I've I've had buddies that are like you know they they listen to the talking points and truly they're like, well, I don't see any reason for whatever call it an AR-15. I don't see any reason for an AR-15. And I'm like, okay, well, you can think that, but. And we have that that discussion that goes, okay, here are the, the massive things, and you can call me conspiracy theorist or, or, or crazy or whatever. But then you see like cities burning down and nothing being done about it. I know. And 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 like these roving hordes of people going house to house and ripping people out of their homes. And and then my same buddy, you know, and I'm I'm glad he got to see that, but he's like, dude, what what, what would you know? It's that thought, like, holy cow! What what if I lived in that place? What if what, what if I what had if so many 50, Americans, a thousand, yeah. uh, you know, whatever it is, 
come to my door and they were trying to rip my kids out of my arm, whatever it is, right? Or burn my house down or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you should probably think about, you know, maybe having a rifle that's got a 30 round capacity. Or something, right. You know, and and, and like there's so many people that I think that I, I think COVID opened a lot of eyes to this, but you know, there's, there's so many people, this, this little back feed I've got going on. There we go. It went away again. Anyway, there's so many people that I think they might, they might, and I've said this a million times. There's like a difference between a Democrat and versus a leftist. These these anti-gun wokester leftists that just want to take your guns and remove hunting and blah blah blah. Sure. And and there's but there's so many people like my brother-in-law. He's he's a Democrat. He's not a leftist though. He owns a bunch of guns. And right. and you know there, there's a big difference between those types of people. But you know you hear this argument of well why I don't see any reason that you need an AR-15. Well, let me give you reason number one. Because my reason that I provide that answer to everybody is the same every time. It's none of your freaking business. It's none of your business. Don't worry about it. I own one. I have my own reasons. I don't. I don't owe you an explanation, and I don't owe the government an explanation. This sure. is this yep. is what we do. And interestingly, those um, those folks that are like taking over the block, city blocks in like Seattle, like this insurrection kind of idea behind that is the exact opposite of what actual insurrections that achieve something in the past are are derived out of like they're they're doing this because they feel like the government isn't being uh overbearing enough in people's lives where where an actual you know where 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 you exercise those rights uh i'm i'm totally saying this wrong what was the word i used earlier insurrection Mm-hmm. You know, that's to get a government out of your face, not to get it more in your face. And so they have yeah. it backwards. And so, um, I, again, I, we don't need to take it down this road, but it's it's just uh, I always wonder with companies like this is some days I feel like we have a lot of pressure on us uh, as gun sure. owners. Um, yeah. You know, it's a big responsibility, but we also have a lot of pressure because there's so many people and it's the same for hunters. There's so many people that have mis guided perceptions as to what the reality is that they've emotionally attached themselves to a cause out of a lack of self-importance or something and 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 they want to fight against us to our, our right to have a gun or our right to go hunting or our privilege to go hunting or, or whatever the case is and and yeah. that worries me because those those uh, that group think mentality can take over in these big metro areas super fast um but then i see other things where there, it gives me a lot of great hope that like you were saying there's this large silent majority in America that is not going to allow the the 3% of extreme leftists out there that want to take your guns away. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And and I think be, it, that majority is getting is getting bigger. And when I say that I mean like when you it's it's getting it seems to me it's so funny to me the people that want to take guns away and stuff like that and have no reason for guns. They don't they don't actually get they don't get the reason. They don't actually understand the reason. Until something slaps them in the face, like a massively life-altering situation where somebody, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, steals your car at gunpoint or whatever, and and it almost it's almost like they they have they have to be affected by that decision or that mentality before they actually go well well what what could I have done what would have helped us right yeah I mean, the, yeah yeah and you can call it chauvinistic if you want but like. The the ninety five pound woman against the the three hundred pound dude trying to steal your car or whatever it is. Of course, I mean, you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah, that's the the best part of it. But boy, when she can 
be trained up properly and is confident with her firearm and can get to it in a timely manner, she, she can equalize the playing field super fast. Yep. Um, and so, but, but I just, I don't want it to have to come to that before you actually realize, holy crap, I should, I should probably do something in the way of being able to protect myself. And it just, I don't know, you can, it just seems like you can talk to some folks until you're blue in the face, but until they've actually dealt with a situation where they're like, dadgummit, I wish I'd have had it. Uh, yeah, they just, they, they won't get it. And then, but I do think, like you said, the, that COVID and these riots and things like that. And if you're paying attention at all, like to the rest of the world. Oh, yeah, you know. just today and what's going on overseas. Yeah, for sure. Man. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, wow, but man, maybe I, maybe I should have. And then to, to that end, like the fun part of it too, right? So I, that same buddy I was telling you about who's like, there's no, no world where we need an AR 15. And I'm like, all right, well, I mean, let's not go down the road of like government takeovers, right? If you, but, but let's just, you know, go out and we're, we're going to go shoot some prairie dogs. So we go out to the farm and we, pop some prairie dogs and and it's funny because i'm like here you know I, I i show him how it works and i put him behind it and he goes gabe gabe this isn't it's not it doesn't hurt to shoot and i'm like yeah i know and he's like well it, it's not it's not like you know this massive like painful thing i'm like yeah man i know and he's like well, this is kind of fun i'm like yeah i know and he's like well do you think i should get one and i'm like yes i've been telling you this like absolutely yeah. it's just if you have the, the the level of respect for it and you can get some some and i'm not even saying like quality training but you have somebody that knows what they're doing around it and they can show you how to properly handle whatever it is a rifle a pistol whatever absolutely you should have one man it's it's so much fun and he just was like because all he knows is what he's heard on the news right they're horrible they weigh as much as a truck they're super loud you'll go deaf they blow uh, holes you, in humans the size of yeah. a dump truck man <laughs> right. five can, five six round exactly it's the biggest thing on the planet and you end up it's like a nuclear bomb going off and i'm like dude it's it's a it's a souped up 22 I, uh, well, and we use it for coyotes and prairie dogs who it's was so the politician fun. that was like trying to imply that an ar-15 can melt an engine block by shooting yes, I, I, uh, I was, was it maxine that? waters i think it, it, was, it was one of those idiots and they're running around and and uh it just totally exaggerate it, re- it really reminds me of the uh, anti-hunting activists out there um with with the the way they overbloat what the reality is on the ground and uh you know it, it was troubling because people believe that stuff but at the same time then you have like you, you know your buddy you were talking about he goes out there and firsthand he actually experiences what this kind of weapon is and the peace of mind that a weapon that, that like that can offer. It's not about always the government taking over, but what if there was a major virus that was worse than COVID and all of a sudden these people, uh, because the supply chain was cut down, were trying to get into your home because you have a food supply. Uh, that, no, you're, you're gonna, you know, yeah. we could, we could probably yeah. do a whole other podcast on this topic. I know. I was just going to say, you're going to get me all kinds of riled up. Like, we're going to go for days on this stuff. Oh, I geek out on that stuff, man. I, I'd love yeah. to talk. I'd love to talk pe- to people about that. I've, I put the call out there a few times for, for anybody that wants to come on and, and talk about that kind of stuff. Cause I'm really, I, you know, I, I live on a homestead. We're, we're very into the, the, the idea of self-reliance and self-sufficiency and, and having, having stockpiles of things to be prepared in case something does happen. Not that we think it's definitely going to, but what if it did? I don't want to die because I don't have access to, you know, electricity or food or something like that. You know, I've got kids yeah. to protect. So, yeah. I, I, almost, I think that's almost, I, and I shouldn't say it's for, for every hunter, but I think there's an amount of that, like in every hunter, right? That self-sufficiency mm-hmm. where you're like, you know what? 
uh, it's probably a good idea to have some sort of whatever water filtration system, right? It's probably a good yep. idea to have, even if it's just like a couple of extra peak refuel meals in the basement or whatever. I'm just like, it, it, I think that's just inherent in us, right? I know I don't, if I'm, yeah. if I'm bugging out real quick to go on a, a trip or a hunt that I didn't, you know, I didn't plan or prep for, I, I know it's kind of nice to be able to grab uh, whatever, an extra Sawyer squeeze and a mountain house and throw it in and, and walk out the door. Um, yeah. It's just nice yeah, to have that kind of stuff. Of, yeah. It's a, it's a peace of mind thing, right? I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a great example on our old homestead. We had the driveway from hell and, and we'd get, we'd get, uh, these crazy snowstorms would come in and basically, uh, sock us in on top of the, on top of the hill where we lived. Right. And so, um, what, at one point we were stuck there for almost a week. We, I couldn't get, I, my tractor was literally not big enough to plow that driveway out so we can get off the mountain. And, had had we lived like we did 15 years ago my wife and i am t- i'm talking about we sure. would have been screwed man yeah. we, we would have been yep. screwed eating like cans of tomato paste or something trying to trying to get by <laughs> you know where where like for us when that happened not much change for us not much change for us we were fine like we yeah. we were ready for something like that it's just little things like that everybody thinks it's got to be this big catastrophic thing and and it just it doesn't i mean a bad snowstorm that wipes out the power for a couple of weeks can be very catastrophic for people that aren't prepared oh for sure yeah, yeah so well, and, and to the to the point you made earlier about like the supply chain shutting down i mean when you when when the truck stopped moving and, and you mm-hmm. went to the grocery store and there was nothing left uh it was like wow what like and i think that to your point that was a that was a big wake up for a lot of people it was like holy cow i, I go so to the grocery too, store yeah. every day or i go to whatever, I go out to eat every single night. If that were to shut down, because we saw, well, both in the United States and Canada, right? How fragile that system is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just on toilet paper alone, like, holy cow. I like, know, man. It was, it was super, super fragile. And so if you were paying attention at all, you're like, yeah, you know what? I might, I might go buy a couple of cans of SpaghettiOs and just put them in the back of the yeah. pantry for, you know, like you said, a rainy day. I mean, even even for us who've always, my wife and I, we, we've always had some level of, you know, preparedness mentality where, you know, something's, we're ready for for different various things that can come up. Uh, even even us, even we were quite caught off guard uh, by the whole COVID thing and, and how quickly that supply chain, you know, dropped. And, you know, it was, it was the funniest thing, man. Uh, my wife finds these deals for bulk items mm-hmm. and and she'll buy them and that way you know at the at the time we we're in a different house and so she'd you know just put them in the basement or whatever and at the, at the time she'd found some crazy deal on toilet paper and so we got like this half a pallet of toilet paper delivered to our house and then like a month later covid hit and everybody's running around <laughs> of all things buying up the toilet paper. <laughs> and you and you guys are like millionaires. Yeah, guys, we're like, yeah. man, let's oh, start an awesome. online website where we we sell this stuff for an absorbent <laughs> amount of money. And you know, <laughs> no. yeah, uh, it's just it's just crazy how stuff goes. But um, yeah. well, brother, I've I've kept you for a while. Um, I do want to point out, like, if folks listening go to ivoryholsters.com, you can look at the featured products, which are the EMG pack holster the brow tine and the imperial can you kind of sum up real quick what the difference is between those three holsters are yeah so, uh the emg is um the one that's built for the backcountry hunter and that's mostly it, it just mounts to the hip belt of your hunting pack um 
it'll it'll mount to almost i shouldn't say almost there's a couple of uh pack makers that it's a little tough to put them on there um yeah but but yeah it mounts to most of the hunting packs on the market the higher end ones anyway uh and so that's that's kind of our bread and butter that's the one i bet we sell probably 95 percent of the thing that goes out the door is that emd pack holster um the monarch is basically it's a very similar one same type of a shell but it's built uh with a sweat guard cut down for a little bit of a faster draw or a little bit, I shouldn't say that maybe it's more of an accessible, um, draw and then, and then getting it back in the holster, but it's a different set of clips. The brow tine is a, they are inside the waistband holster and it's built with this. It's got the brow tine is actually, it's, it's a, a concealment wing that basically when you put it inside the waistband, especially more toward the, um appendix area it pushes out on the belt line which pulls the grip of the gun into the body and it's pretty darn impressive in the way that it it helps you to conceal under some really tight clothing yeah it's it's uh okay. you wouldn't think that little piece of plastic would do much but that brow time sucks it in nice and tight to the body so you I can like that one yeah you don't have to dress around it nearly as much as you would some you know some of the the other holsters even, like even something e- even something bulky like uh like say a 10 millimeter <laughs> for sure at the 10 mil as a matter of fact i think more for the are you there yeah I, it was just weird feedback going on sorry no you're good so yeah more the bulkier ones the better and when i say that like the big long grip like your 10 mil or or you know a glock 19 or 17 it really lends to being able to conceal those whereas if you had like a you know a small like xds or a 365 where the grip isn't super long um you might not even need that just because there's not a whole lot that you have to try and conceal. It's going to, it's so small. It's pretty well concealed on your body anyway, but yeah, those, those okay. larger frame pistols, man, that thing really shines there. And then the, the, um, Imperial is basically just the same thing, but without the, the brow tying wing the concealment wing on it, it's just an inside the waistband, super simple, um, more for, if you were going to carry it like the three o'clock position or behind the hip, like whatever, four, four thirty. Uh, position um you don't necessarily need that that brow tine in there um but yeah that's that's pretty well it it's just super super simple um well that's not it that's not it you have failed to talk about the hooch pouch and i'm pretty excited about the hooch pouch i didn't even know you had that you're you're not wrong that one's kind of it's it's so stinking cool it's if you get a chance to read the description on the hooch pouch, I, I want you to call me and just tell me whether or not you laughed. If you can read that whole thing and not laugh, I'll send you one for nothing. Well, it's, uh, let's just share the first line. The hooch pouch flask holster was designed with the world's top drinkers in mind. Man, you're a man after my own heart, aren't you? I, I need one of these. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. They're, it's uh, for sure a novelty, right? But, man, it's just, a, a, you know, there's people make like, dip can pouches and stuff like that but oh, this thing man. is just it's cool and it comes with the flask too so it's just cool all in one piece where you carry oh, it flask. comes it, with the flask too that's a yeah, good deal it, it's it's yeah. it worked real like i've had guys that are doing like uh like wedding parties right where they have like a bachelor uh-huh. party or whatever and that's the gift that they get for all the groomsmen <laughs> it's pretty cool it worked great for like weddings funerals stuff like yeah that, I'm, so. I'm just reading your list yeah. the, the list the hooch pouch is essential for <laughs> weddings public speaking powerpoints funerals God. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love yeah, it man yeah. i i like a good. good sense of humor like that that's awesome well good good i feel like i'm like well you, you know there's that thing inside my head that goes eh, not a lot 
there are some people, most folks get it right. But there are some yeah. people that are like, this guy is not funny. And I think in my head, I'm like, I get a little self-conscious. And I'm like, <laughs> is this very professional? And then there's that, that guy in my head that's like, dude, it's your freaking company. Say whatever you want. Yeah, right? man. And I so, mean, I, I just, I, I, I love a good sense of humor. I like that kind of sense of humor too. And, and so, uh, I, I'm curious about where, where it says though, why civil war reenactments? What, what's going on with that? LARPing. So there's, I have this, <laughs> LARPing. LARPing is like live action role plays where they're like, Oh, the, is that what that is? Like go out. Yeah. Well, I mean like that's yeah, essentially. So like civil war reenactments, there's a couple of, there's a movie that they had like a, just a ton of, and I'm, I know I'm going to offend some people, but there's a bunch of nerds that go out and they're like, they'll put like swords and shields and, and, oh, yeah. and they'll go out and like reenact these battles, which is, it. I, totally, I would imagine man. it's pretty darn fun, but, but yeah, it, I'm it like, actually if you're going to go LARPing, a, I, I, you, you I'll spill a secret, dude. I used to be a Civil War reenactor when I was in high school. And so that that's why it stuck out. I did the Battle of Gettysburg and Antietam. Nice. And, and I'm still a I big Civil War buff, but I'm not about to go do reenactments anymore. Well, if you did, wouldn't it be better with a little whiskey on your head? The hooch pouch would have been essential. That would be right? essential gear for me. <laughs> and and I just, yeah, I feel like I really need one of those because... I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of PowerPoint presentations. I do some public speaking, taking out the garbage. Yeah. I do a lot of that. Um, well, the defense rest, Your Honor. You need one. I, I need one. Oh, it even <laughs> says podcasting, man. See, you made this thing for me. I think we should make one that says the Western Huntsman on it. Get the logo. We, we on can there. make that happen. We can do that. <laughs> it sell like hotcakes, right? Well, at least uh, to one of them, one guy. One guy. I'd, I'd buy like ten of them. You'd be like, wow, man. We need to do so, another run of these. I'll do but, it. <laughs> no. Well, cool, brother. Uh, this is good stuff. Tell everybody where they could find you. Yeah, so uh, ivoryholsters.com, you mentioned that. And then um, Instagram is probably where I'm most active. Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, it's just if you – and then YouTube, too. We've got some – man, it's uh, – I'm trying to hammer the shorts on YouTube because they'll seem to get the most reach. But mm-hmm. we've got some pretty pretty solid, like, how it's made type content on YouTube and then Instagram. And then – there's a bunch of like stupid hunting videos where I'll go out into the woods and, and, and I, <laughs> this is from years ago, right? Where I've come out with like elk hunting pro tips where it's like, it's stuff like, like I got one where it's like a put, pick if you, when you find some fresh elk scat, pick up one nugget and put it in your mouth and you can, and I'm, you know, it's like that yeah, whole, yeah. like I'm, I'm whispering in the woods, like you put it in your mouth. And you can tell which way they went based on the taste, and it's just so freaking funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll check that out. Not everybody gets it. Yeah, so just the content like that. But yeah, YouTube, awesome. Facebook, Instagram, and then IvoryHolsters.com. All right, guys, that stuff is all going to be in the show notes. You're going to find uh, the Ivory Holsters website and the Instagram, um, and I'll, 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 I think I'll put the YouTube in there too. Let me write that down. Um, and so that'll be all in the show notes. Uh, any closing thoughts? No, I'm just, I'm so thankful to you, Jim. I really genuinely appreciate it. It means, a, it means a ton to me to be able to come on here and just, just talk, especially about hunting stuff too. But the fact that you've given me the, you know, the, the ability to kind of come on and, and share what I do and my passion for it is, uh, I'm just humbled by it. I really appreciate it. Well, the, the feeling is mutual for sure, man. Uh, like I told you before we hit record, like th- this show doesn't happen without guys like you who are willing to, talk to uh you know the a derelict like me so it, it really <laughs> does it makes a big difference i really appreciate it i uh i i'm really passionate i'm really interested in the in the story uh, uh behind all these companies within the hunting space specifically i mean i mean it's like that with any company i don't care if somebody starts a uh yeah you know a, a whatever I, I 
not going to try to get creative right now. It's just uh, sure. any company out there, but specifically in the hunting space, it's always an interesting story. It's always, you know, like this journey of of concept to idea to formulation to to all of a sudden, uh, you know, we've got this website and we're selling product or we're we're selling a service or we're you know we're getting business and and revenues happening. It's just I I love that kind of stuff. It, it just it uh, it warms my heart to see that that system working like that. So. Uh, again, uh, thanks a bunch for coming on. Uh, this was a really good conversation. I, I feel like we're going to have to do this again, man. Oh, I would, I would absolutely love that. I mean it. I'll, I'll come on anytime. I'd love to talk, even if it wasn't about business. Um, yeah. But yeah, whatever. I'm in. Well, we might have to talk about preparedness and, and stuff like that on an upcoming episode. So, um, yeah, and hopefully next time I won't have a lightning storm going off. Uh, you know, creating all these hiccups with the recording. <laughs> so, yeah, there's not, not a lot you can do about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again, brother. Let's do this again, and let's keep in touch. Copy. Thanks so much, Jim. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.